This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 447 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Uncle Jimmy's Horselovers.com and Fairfield Inn North, Lexington, Kentucky. Jamie Jackson joins us with the latest research on laminitis and an update on Paddock Paradise. Glenn and Grace were stars, and Helena reviews pretty naughty hair accessories. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenda Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Did you know, notice how I avoided saying award-winning Glenda Geek? Did you notice that? Because you forbid me from ever saying it again, but I just managed to get it in there. Why do you even need me on the show? <laughs> what, why? Just make it the Glenn show, okay? <laughs> well, when you're award-winning, I'll let you come back. <laughs> <laughs> I won my awards in the first half of my life. Yeah. I'm retired from winning awards. Yeah, see, I've never won any, so this is pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, if you want to know what we're talking about, I was uh, at PodFest last weekend, and Helena was on the Horses in the Morning show on Monday co-hosting, and Jamie was out, and we talked all about PodFest last weekend and how cool Horse Radio Network was the superstar over the weekend, and I might have won an award. But I can't talk about it anymore because I've been forbidden. Let's so. take bets on how many times <laughs> Glenn's going to drop the word award <laughs> in one episode. Well, if I don't say winning, does it? Just award, okay? You just said winning an award. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't in the correct. They weren't in that order. They were in a different order. All right, auditors. I know you guys are out there listening. I want to. I want you showing up in the auditors group, and I want you to make this worth my while. Give me something to laugh about. <laughs> All right. So uh, if you want to hear all about that and the weekend, it was a lot of fun. You can head over to Horses in the Morning for Monday, Monday's episode, which I think was the uh, 27th. Yes. So, so, And thank you for filling in for Jamie on short notice the other day. It was fun. We oh, had a good time. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a good show. Well, we have a good show planned for today, and we're going to start by chatting about what Grace was up to over the weekend. You got to You got to do some traveling. Yep. Yep. Grace was lucky enough to qualify for... Let's, let's clarify, though, because we do get new listeners all the time, and I always get this, is that we talk about things people don't know. Grace is your how many-year-old daughter? Grace is my 14-year-old daughter. Got it. Okay. Grace is, and Grace has been around since the beginning. Yeah, she really <laughs> has been around since we started the show, pretty much. <laughs> she was our first Stable Scoop auditor. Uh, Grace is 14 now, and she rides on an Interscholastic Equestrian Association... Uh, team, IEA team. And if you listen to Stable Scoop regularly, you will know that we, we actually interviewed the director of the IEA program just a few weeks ago. So Grace rides on an IEA team. It's awesome. And she was lucky enough to qualify for her zones regionals this past weekend, which were held at Mount Holyoke, Mount Holyoke College in South Hadley, Massachusetts, which is actually my old neck of the woods where around where I went to college. Sounds pretty. And uh, yeah, it, it's beautiful out there. Western Massachusetts is great for horse people. And Mount Holyoke College is a phenomenal school. They have a very strong, uh, has been around since forever, equestrian program. And uh, they put on a really good show. So we all drove out for that. And how'd it go? It went great. It's like any other, you know, hunter jumper equitation show you kind of stand around waiting for your kid to ride for two and a half minutes and you know this was like a 10-hour ordeal <laughs> waiting for a two-hour ride and you don't care you know you just don't care when you really have to get your head in the game and you watch the college kids come out and they will school and warm up 
the horses that are going to participate in the show. And so you're like, okay, these are all the horses that the kids are going to be able to draw from. So when you go to these kinds of shows, you don't bring your own horse. As a competitor, you show up at the venue and you basically draw straws out of a hat. And the straw has the name of the horse upon which you will ride for that day. So you kind of watch all the horses go around and you go, oh, I hope she doesn't get that one. <laughs> or, well, there's a little pony who's clearly well-schooled, but, who, you know, my daughter's legs will be hanging on the ground. And so you never know who you're going to get. And, um, you know, Buck and I just – and there's other parents there. So we stand around and we talk and you eat junky show food and you talk some more and you watch the horses and you help your kids not freak out because they're really anxious, you know. It was a lot of fun. And Gracie did very, very well. She, um, her class was actually, I think the largest of all those that went that day. She had 17 riders in her class. They did have to break it up into two groups and she pinned fourth, which means she just, just didn't make it into the the zone, the bigger finals, the, the bigger, I don't even know how it goes if it's zone finals or regional finals, but she missed it. But she rode perfectly, and that's just how it goes in the Eckring. Was she happy with her? She was happy with her ride. She was very happy with her ride. Um, she was bummed that she didn't qualify for the next round, mm-hmm. but there were two other girls on the team that didn't qualify as well. So when we first got there, it was like boom, boom, boom. The first three riders on the Nora Harris equestrian team, they qualified. So the pressure was on. Then went Grace, and she was the first one who didn't qualify, and she was really bummed out. Was she the youngest of them? Yes. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, so she did walk track canter on the flat. And I'll tell you something. It's really hard. This was the first time I probably looked at my kid with the same kind of a respect that I'll look at any other accomplished rider. And you understand just how difficult it is to keep your head on straight when you're in a pretty tough situation, especially in the ring. Well, whether you're out on cross country, you're fox hunting, you're in the ring, whatever. So you have all these kids who are competing. They have show nerves. They're all on strange horses. They're in a strange uh, ring, strange arena. And, you know, the judge says, okay, everybody canter. And (laughs) suddenly there's this big group of cantering, some galloping horses And your job is to make sure that you maintain your equitation and maintain your position without imploding. And things are getting a little crazy, you know, in one corner because there's seven horses who are bunched up, cantering. And Grace held her composure. I was just, she didn't just hold her composure. She cantered through that hot mess and she, her leg was nice and tight. Her, she was glued to the saddle. Her hands never moved. Her shoulders were upright and she looked as composed as anybody could. And I was like, holy crap, my kid's finally a better rider than me. <laughs> How did that happened. feel on 14? <laughs> I was just so proud of her. It, it, that, it didn't matter what we were there for. It didn't matter about ribbons. It didn't matter about teams. What mattered was, for me anyway, was me seeing my child um, really uh, seeing her horsemanship shine in that moment. She was... Uh, you know, empathetic to the horse she was on. She was a good sport. She was a good horsewoman. I could not have been more proud of that child. Yay, Grace. Yeah. Wow, it's come a long way since she you were forced her to sit and listen to our first episodes at the age of four. <laughs> it's like, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, yeah, so I'm she, very proud of her. She's got a good head in her shoulders, though. She really does. She has... A great head on her shoulders. Now, if you asked me that, if you said that last night, I would have told you. As she was crazy. throwing a hissy fit about, <laughs> about the stupidest <laughs> when I, stuff. <laughs> when I told her she couldn't, she couldn't use Snapchat, and she, her eyes basically popped out of her head, and she puked up all kinds of <laughs> toddler <laughs> torment on me. Yeah. It's Besides funny, that, she's got a good head. If on you, her that's the thing. That's the weapon. Now we used to have to sit in the corner because what could they take away, right? But uh, uh, now you have that social media to pull. Yep. Yeah, that's very yep. effective, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's really disruptive to a kid's life if they're if it's not you if know they're un- held in if check. If they're unglued, if they're not connected, yeah, it's, yeah, it's I hate it. I, I mean, if if social media wasn't a part of my job, I would stay far away from it. 
It it is all consuming. That's yeah. for sure. I wonder how many of our listeners check their their phone uh, fifteen times a night when they wake up. No, oh. I don't. You know what? I don't keep my phone by my bed anymore. I used to go up to bed and read. I love to read, 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 read. And my phone made it really convenient. I don't have a laptop. I don't have a, a tablet. And so I would bring my phone up to bed and I would find articles and I would read, not necessarily scroll through social media, but I would plug it in to charge overnight. But I found that if I was restless and I got up in the middle of the night, yeah, I reached for my phone as sort of a pacifier and staying asleep through the night was difficult. So I decided that I was going to try, I was going to make an aim to leave my phone downstairs. And it was very challenging for the first couple of weeks. Did you have shakes? Were you going through withdrawal? <laughs> I was going through withdrawal because I had to actually read paper books. But Did they make I, those? The, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh, I started I started digging into some old textbooks and I've been going through this like 700 page book, page book on American government lately. Um which is kind of interesting. But I found myself sleeping through the night without any problems. So if I did wake up and my sleep was disrupted, there was nothing that was going to make it any worse. And I'd fall right back asleep. So I'm committed to not bringing my phone upstairs with me anymore. I I keep it by the bed for one reason. I listen to podcasts, actually listen to podcasts with an earbud when I go to sleep. So then I usually wake up and I'm all tangled up in everything. <clears throat> and then I have to like untangle and put it away. But that's why I have it by the bed is it, that's how I fall asleep. I put on boring podcasts and go to sleep. So that's, that's how I fall podcasts? asleep. Boring podcasts? Yeah, I find boring ones, put those on, and then I go to sleep. There's actually a guy I met over the weekend, you're going to love this, whose podcast, I wish I could remember the name of his podcast. He has a podcast that is to put people to sleep. That's what the podcast is for. He has hundreds of thousands of listeners. And it's this podcast that, you know, he talks in soothing voices, and he, it, you listen to it to go to sleep. I said, well, people listen to ours to go to sleep, but it's not intentional. So uh, we apparently don't have the same. They want to be soothed. Yeah. They want to be soothed. <laughs> so and this guy, literally, that's what his podcast is about, is putting people to sleep. And uh, he's done very well with this. I wonder if there's an ad, subliminal ads in it. Well, you know, you know, uh, my my son in law who has Buckstarter Rachel, they have their first baby, and Tom, our son in law, has said he'll put on that Newport show and play it for the baby puts when right she's to up sleep. in the middle of the night. And she, it's true, he said it puts her right to sleep. Good to know you guys are good for something, huh? I know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure people have fallen asleep to this show a few thousand times. <laughs> Including me and you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, good job, Grace. Tell her I'm very proud and give her a hug from Jennifer and I. I sure will. Can't wait to see her again. It's been a while. I just, I do want to put in a plug, though, for yeah. the IEA program. I think very highly of the IEA program. It's, um, they're doing a great job with it. It, you know, it's always difficult. You never know what you're going to get with judges when you're in the equitation ring. There's a lot of subjectivity there. And that's something that I don't think will ever go away with this particular discipline. And that can be frustrating. But I have to say that if any or if there's any organization out there, um, you know, who's who's supporting this particular discipline, equitation, IEA's got it down. They really do their best to level the playing field and make sure that all the kids who participate in these shows have a fair shake. Um, and I think drawing horses is just the beginning, but having a set of standards um, by which these kids are taught, the practices are held, the shows are organized, I think that also goes a long way into leveling the playing field. So as a parent, um, it's I, I think it's – I'm happy to have my kid participate in this particular program. If you have kids that are uh, fifth, sixth, seventh grade and up into high school, definitely check out the program in your area. I think it's worth it to, to give it a try. Very good. Well, right after this word from Uncle Jimmy's, we are going to talk to Jamie Jackson about laminitis research he's doing. He's considered the pioneer of modern-day barefoot natural horse care and his groundbreaking research on the wild and free-roaming horses living in the United States in the Great Basin over a four-year period in the early 1980s is when he studied that. 
that. A lot of people will know him from uh, from his his theory of uh, paddock management called Paddock Paradise, a guide to natural horse boarding. And he has uh, this research that we're going to talk to him about, about laminitis. We'll be right back with that. Hello, folks. Uncle Jimmy here, and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products, where funny names mean serious products. Featuring... Uncle Jimmy Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love. The award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls. Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball. The incredible Licky Thing, also in sugar-free. The amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker and the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hangin' Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious, flavored-filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors, apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. Road to the Horse is right around the corner, and the Horse Radio Network is proud to once again be the premier radio network covering the event with Horseware as our title sponsor. On March 23rd to March 26th, four of the finest female trainers in the world will gather in the world's leading colt starting competition. With the help of my amazing, knowledgeable co-host Tara Carter, we will bring you all the action from ringside at the Kentucky Horse Park. Listen live or recorded to Horses in the Morning on Friday the 23rd and Saturday the 24th at 9 a.m. And then, for the second time, we will be bringing you the only free coverage of the finals on Sunday the 25th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. The best way to listen is on the Horse Radio Network app. Just go to iOS or Android app stores and search Horse Radio Network or visit horseradionetwork.com. Thanks to all our terrific sponsors for making this happen. Horseware, Cashel Products, Cavallo Boots, Horse Lovers, and Enjoy Yums. Visit RoadToTheHorse.com to learn more. Well, hi, Jamie. Thank you for joining us on the Stable Scoop Show. Great. Glad to be here. Glad you're having me. And I know that you've been on, over the years, have been on one or two of our other shows, uh, but we have not had the pleasure of talking to you over here. And I know that you have a new book out about laminitis. Tell us tell us what you found and, and what, what the object of the book is. Sure. Uh, the reason I wrote the book is that the common understanding of what laminitis is, reportedly uh, uh, a disease of the foot, is in fact uh, it's not that at all. And uh, and so the, the the high incidence of what people think of as laminitis, uh, the widespread presence of it, that is, uh, people not really knowing what it is, I think is what's led to the there are clearly epidemic levels of it, not until it reaches, uh, progresses to a very, very advanced state, which can happen quickly, actually, uh, that people begin to, you know, wonder what's going on. There are very, very early stages of it. And so, uh, I just, you know, in my travels around the horse world, around the world, I see it everywhere. And people think of it as being a disease of the foot. Some people have no idea what it is, but, uh, I take issue with that. So what I've come to understand is that laminitis is really a disease of the whole horse, the whole body. In fact, I call it whole horse inflammatory disease. And what happens at the foot is simply a symptom of this bigger whole body inflammation that's going on. So it's not, if we look broadly across the horse, we'll see that there are other symptoms from the degradation of the teeth, degradation of the digestive system, leading to things like colic, uh, hair uh, pathologies or abnormal hair growth, and uh, other metabolic, so metabolic uh, syndromes that, uh, or so-called syndromes 
these are all expressions of the same of the same disease. And so are they is it is it a result then of mismanagement or are horses naturally predisposed to this kind of thing? Sure. Good that's a good question. Um the I think where where it all begins is is what we put into the horse, which is which clashes with its uh its uh what's natural for the species. Okay, and it just so happens that it's it's uh, uh, that it's the foot goes uh, becomes inflamed. The horse can't walk normally. Then uh, immediately tension goes to that, right? But the in the background in the digestive tract of the horse, we see problems there that uh, unleash symptoms all over the body, but we're not looking for them. We don't know what they mean, then the disease can progress, progress, progress. So I, I would say, right, my, my observation is that probably eighty to eighty-five to ninety percent of all horses right now are in what I call the subclinical symptoms of full horse inflammatory disease. So the the so there's this systematic inflammation that's happening. Uh, one of the first places that you'll see symptoms is in the hoof. We think it's a lameness. We treat it at the hoof level. Uh, in the meantime, the inflammatory process continues on. In many cases, it, it gets worse. And then now we, you know, the way we treat this thing completely changes because we're at, we've reached critical mass. So when, when you do first suspect laminitis, what's the first place that a horse owner should think to go in order to figure out where this inflammation is starting? Well, uh, in the book, uh, I bring people to, first of, all, first of all, to understand what the symptoms are, okay? And then to go to the, the triggers for it. And what we'll find there are, where they need to be looking at is sorts of things that, of course, are being fed, uh, medications, um, you know, biological uh chemical, all those things can upset uh, the digestive system. And then from there, it progresses. What are the early things that you... Well, first of all, what causes it? And then what are the early thing, signs that you look for? I think that uh, as I looked into the paleo history of the horse and uh, research that's taking place there, we find that the, the horse... Uh, its natural habitat is of, like in the U.S. Great Basin, where I went into to do my studies back in the 1980s. So it's a it's an arid, uh, high desert type biome, and there you find uh, uh, you find a whole different uh, diet, and also how they eat ties into a book that another book I wrote called Paddock Paradise, and and so. It, it, right there, if you go into their natural world and you take a look, see what they're doing, and you look at them historically in terms of the paleo history, you see that uh, when the uh, ice age occurred, in the late Pleistocene, the uh, huge uh, there was a change in the climate, there was a change in, in the forage, and uh, and there also there's been studies done showing that horses were laminitic during that period what we call laminitic. What we're seeing there is that the, uh, the horse is not able to adapt to the grasses, which are rich in, rich in sugars, and that, are, that uh, they basically collapse as a species under that. And the evidence for that today is that uh, studies uh, done on, on triggers, for example, like Dr. Chris Pollock's research on using fruit can, uh, Bang, 100%, you can trigger it to, to occur. So I sort of put that all together and came to the conclusion many years ago that they're basically an insulin-resistant species. They cannot tolerate uh, sugars, molasses, meat pulp, uh, any kind of sugar in their system to any great extent. Even to a small extent, like some are more, some of the, some horses are more 
sensitive than others. So uh, add to that other things put in their bodies that they just have difficulty uh, metabolizing, and what you get is an animal that becomes inflamed uh, throughout its body, and uh, that's just one symptom of that. So laminitis is really a symptom of this uh, inflammatory disease brought about by uh, the fact that they're an insulin-resistant species, and Pretty well convinced that's the case. Okay, so now everybody at home's thinking the same thing, and that is, well, then how? what should we do to not have this happen? Well, then it gets controversial. <laughs> <laughs> like anything else point. in the horse world. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think one thing, uh, they could, well, we have on our nonprofit website, the AAMHCP, uh, we have the uh, available there for just a small donation, what we call our recommended diet for equines. It could be uh, mules, donkeys, whatever, horses, and uh, it's safe. And it will also deliver the, the micronutrients and the, the carbohydrate needs that are safe for them. Uh, it's, it's a little complicated, to say the least, but... Uh, that's the diet that I use to uh, uh, to detox horses that I've dealt with that are in acute acute phases, and uh, so the the main thing is that the the principal forage should be safe, and so we recommend certain types of uh, hays for that. And that sort of settles the digestive tract. I, w- I want to say this that the I'm convinced now more than ever that when this inflammation is allowed to go to the to the chronic stage, I think it actually destroys the ability of the uh, digestive tract to process things resulting in, in colic. I think it's linked directly to these other very, very serious life-threatening um, inflammations or what we want to call it in the body obstructions. So um, diet seems to be the, the main battleground. If we can get that right, then you can eliminate a lot of problems, very serious problems from occurring. So the grass aids that we recommend will vary depending upon where you live. Okay. And then, uh, you know, the old standby of oats is a good one to feed. And then, and then you just need to look at the at the, all the detail. I don't want to sit here and yeah, I got you. advocate something very specific because it's complicated, and people need to, to study the material that we produce. Um, okay, so what's the name of the book? It's called uh, Laminitis, an Equine Plague of Unconscionable Proportions. Well, that... I wrote that because it is... <laughs> That'll get people li- looking is. at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to read it now. Oh, I'll read it, I promise. That catches your attention. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you know, I mean, you're a farrier, so you see this every single day, several times a day. And so if there's anybody more qualified to call this an epidemic, it's, I don't know, other than yeah. you. And, you know, and I at this point, I have... Uh, sort of international audience that I gather information from. And also, uh, I've also researched the uh, the uh, cadaver, uh, the, the cattle houses and what's coming through there. And uh, the numbers are staggering, the number of horses are dying from what I call whole horse inflammatory disease. They're hmm. talking in, in, some, in some communities, as many as 200 horses dying a day. Mm. It's it's not out in the open. It's you know people are, you know, uh, they just assume it's from old age or whatever. You know, it's just yeah, yeah. It yeah. Also, it, it's not limited to horses. Uh, I've written another, just about finished another book that gets into other species, zoos, or another place where there's a uh, a lot of this going on. Uh, 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 Hog hostels, the swine industry, we find the same feeds coming into these animals and their bodies can't take it. So I sort of lay out in the introduction of the book the uh, how, how I think this thing is 
why it's come about, why it's so vast, and why there's so much actually profiteering going on along the way. And uh, then it gets very political, but I'll stand my ground with anybody on it. I've researched it. We know how to turn it around, but once it reaches the chronic phases, I think uh, there may be some uh, damage that just can't be repaired. Some of it can be so serious that I think that, uh, I mean, if it was in my power, I would I would call a red alert across the horse and say, look, it, we all need to get together and have a serious talk here. Okay, so where can, they, where can they find the book? Terrible. Okay. Um, you can find it, uh, well, it's available on uh, Amazon as an e-book and a hard copy. Uh, it's available, uh, the big distributors are carrying it, so if you go okay. to your local bookstore, wherever you can order it. Yeah. And we'll post a link in our show notes to it and on Facebook as well. One other thing, can you give us kind of, because Alina had not heard of this, and I'm sure she's not the only one, uh, can you give us kind of a, a, a quick Reader's Digest version of pa- Paddock Paradise and how that works? Sure. Uh, Paddock Paradise, uh, well, when I went into Wild Horse Country, this is where the idea came from. Uh, First thing it hits you is that the horse is not standing around all day in a stall, right? Right. <laughs> they're they're eating they're and moving. Eating, uh, they're moving and they're eating along the way, and and in doing this, they travel in family groups. They're very social animals, so they they stick together. There's a huge force there that keeps them together, and so as they move around uh, where they prefer to live, they beat out these paths in the ground. And they, I mean, they follow these bands like clockwork. So as they move one area to the next, they get their their needs met. And so I soon quit looking at the hooves because there were no problems. They're just these beautifully shaped hooves. I begin to pay attention to how much they move, how they move, where they would go, behaviors along the way. And that spawned my first book, The Natural Horse Lessons from the Wild. And... So it was out of that experience that I came up with this idea, why don't we keep horses out of the, the triggers for laminitis, which would be the traditional pasture. They're typically flat and not challenging to the horse. But the hooves need to be challenged uh, at, our, at our headquarters here. And uh, Ms. Roberts, the daughter, came to see, see what we've got going here. And, and so the, 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 we set up what we call feed stations. So they go from one place to the next. Our track is about a mile long. And uh, they go, they get water here, they get hay here, they get another type of hay there, and so on and so forth. Salt is uh, laid out along the way. And, uh, and so they stick to their routine, and they don't like to be off of that, just like in the wild. And, so and basically... And what I've seen is uh, if if people have smaller paddocks, and you're basically making runs, you're making uh, uh, long, tracks. Narrow, yeah, long, yeah, narrow tracks. tracks within the field that you have. Now, I think my pony would get stuck in a corner and not figure out how to get out. He's a hackney. But, um, but Actually, there, there are no right angles <laughs> in paddock paradise. Right, okay? no. Just... So if, you, if you have a big field, you, you go to the outskirts of it. Right. Okay. And the rougher the land, if there's forests, if there's rocks, if there's uh, debris, you send them through there. And uh, and it, and then you know ours is uh, they have to climb 600 feet to get from one end to the other. Some of it's pretty steep. And so uh, they're they're very healthy, very muscular, very athletic. And uh, and then to that we tie the, the safe, what's called this reasonably natural diet. To and this is what we call a track. Right, a track system. Which so here in Florida, it would be tough to get yes. the elevation, but you could do the tracks. Absolutely, you right. can do it on. Uh, I mean, the things that one can do, uh, and people are doing all sorts of things around the world. I'm amazed at the uh, ingenuity. Uh, I mean, it was an idea, a concept. When I wrote the book, there was no attic paradise. Yeah, I, I know so, that people are uh, doing this all around the world. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking about your place, Alina, with that backfield. It would be easy, actually, for you to, to kind of do that pattern. Um, 
I wanted to tease people yeah. with it, but I want them to go to your website. Got to watch the video. I think the video's there, and the website has a lot of information. And I think that's going to explain it better than we have time for here today. It's jamiejackson.com. It's, it's J-A-I-M-E, jackson.com. And there's all kinds of information over there and videos and things. And I know you have a lot of videos on YouTube as well, because I was watching them today. <clears throat> so um, I, I want to recommend people go over there. Can they find the books over there, too? Uh, they can. They can find my website, jamiejackson.com. They can find uh, on Facebook. That will lead them to uh, what it's all about. And also others that are doing this. I wanted to just make one other quick comment, yeah. if I could, on, on Panic Paradise. Another thing that happened that's amazing, actually, uh, to people, is that the behavior of the horse changes. The horse that is in confinement, the horse does not get along with other horses, and on and on and on. Those things begin to, to change as the species can begin, as they can begin to act upon their, what their DNA dictates to them. And so, uh, amazing. Uh, you know, and people that come to see our, our track, uh, they see different things. And uh, why are the horses so friendly? They're not afraid. They're, uh, and I show them I can pick up any hoof anytime, night or day, rain or shine, and they'll just stand there and let me as a as a trimmer, you know, trim the trim them. So um, I know Debbie was impressed of, with it. Uh, it was, was interesting. The one one thing she said in that interview was that what is that triangular thing on the bottom of the foot? I don't know, Glenn, if you if you heard that. Yes, yes. And I said a triangular thing, and she goes, "Yeah, it looks like this." And she formed a triangle with her index fingers and her thumbs. And I said, "Oh, that's the frog." I was, <laughs> and she and she says, "I've never seen a frog like that." And I said, "Well, I don't trim it because in in track life, the the hooves began to modulate pretty much on their own uh, towards this natural shape that you see in the wild." And so the the frog, uh, I've, the, the, those horses have been in now, so this is their seventh year, and I've not touched the frog once. Hmm. It is very interesting, and you know, we obviously everything, <laughs> yeah. the way we take care of horses has been designed by the amount of space that most people have, and uh, rather than what what's actually good for the horse in most cases, and. And what they've been sold for feed. So, I mean, there's all of that, too. I want people to go to your website. Jill, uh, yeah. My, my colleague, Jill, she said to tell you that I'm doing a uh, a webinar okay. on laminitis. Yep. And also when I'm pulling shoes off. And, uh, in fact, Debbie was asking me, could my horse go barefoot? I said, well, yeah. And it is a scary subject for people because it's counterintuitive right. to the conditioning we go through at any rate. It's counterintuitive to everything that we normally do. So, <laughs> and have exactly. done for years. <laughs> exactly. All right, jamiejackson.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Fairfield Inn and Suites North by Marriott Lexington is the ideal hotel for you as they are the closest hotel to the Kentucky Horse Park. They have the most spacious guest rooms and suites in the area, and they're only four miles from downtown Lexington. Fairfield Inn and Suites North offers complimentary breakfast, free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, free parking, a business center, an indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, an outdoor patio with grill, laundry facilities, and much more. You get hungry, Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available within walking distance for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Of course, Lexington is known for the Kentucky Horse Park, University of Kentucky, Keeneland, and the historical Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Enjoy a terrific hotel experience while you're touring Lexington. There's no denying that the Lexington North Fairfield Inn & Suites is the best value in town and will meet all your hospitality needs. Just Google Fairfield in North Lexington and make your reservations today. You know, he has a lot of good points, and it, he's right. It's we have we do with the horses what we do now because we make do with what we have in space and and what we've been told as far as feeding practices are concerned. But when you watch the video on on this track sort of uh, pasture, it does make a lot of sense. And you, you see the horses are moving from station, feeding station to feeding station. They're moving all the time. It does right. make sense. 
you, you do need a lot of space for it, but it, it, I like the fact that it encourages the horses to move because even if you have a lot of space, I mean, I have a fair amount of space here for a small New England town and my horses will stand in a corner yep. and snooze. Exactly. They don't, they're not necessarily interested in self-exercise, especially my fatty pants, Appaloosa. So you need to encourage them to move a little bit. Um, and I, I like, really like this idea. I usually just get out there and throw rocks at his butt. <laughs> You know, that's just me. <laughs> it's well, that's one way to do it. It's, it's gotten to the point now when I, where I'm I not sure Jamie's going to approve of that method either, but <laughs> I, go, I go out into the barnyard and well, it started out with snowballs. I could get you, you know. a slingshot if that'd be easier. You could go from further. <laughs> It started out with snowballs when it would snow here. You know, Brady would go stand in this like two foot drift of snow. And I'd be like, dude, don't just stand there. Move a little bit. Let's get those hawks flexing, you know? So I'd make a little snowball and I'd throw it at his bum. And that was the signal that it was time to play. And so then he'd run around and, you know, he'd rear and buck and run a little bit more. And so that became sort of our game. And then when the snow melted, I'm like, what what else? What am I going to do here? You know? So I'd go out there and I'd take these tiny little pebbles and I'd throw it at his tushy. And that was the, I could get your BB gun if that'd be easier. We could. So now I don't even have to pick anything up. All I do is go out into the barnyard and I go, Hey B. And I bend down to the ground and he starts. (laughs) It is so funny. But I think probably a better, a better idea would be to do something like this. Well, and the one thing they say is if you have a smaller, let's say like our paddocks are about two acres here we have a number of them but they're about two acres they're not real big and you actually make tracks with it almost like a maze but you know with like electric fencing is what oh, they, electric yeah, yeah, tape like that's maze. what you do you make a maze so when you have a smaller place so in other words if they're on the other end of the pasture they have to walk up and down and up and down and up, like you're at disney but the maze can't have anything edible in it so you have to kind of let it be or what down, you do is you put be... the edibles in if you're using hay like out where he lives they don't have a lot of grass anyway um but you're you're you put your hay in different stations around it so they constantly have to move to get to the different stations which is what jennifer does here we don't have the maze but she puts hay in different ends of the paddock so that they have to move from one place to the other all night long and the water's in a completely different place. So, yes. and, and so that, yeah. yeah. That's so, how I've done that. I've it's almost like queuing in, in line place. at Disney. That's the best way I can describe it. Someplace else. Yeah. The only problem, though, I think is that you... Um, yeah, I mean, like, my horses will go to one of the feeding stations and Park. hoover it down <laughs> yeah. and then Move stand to the around next in the one. middle of the track with nothing to do for the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm not sure Scooter would, yeah, Scooter would figure out. He's pretty food motivated. He'd find that other hay. He'd go up and down until he found it. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the point, that he'd go up and down until he found it. So you have to put, I don't know, you'd have to Well, the dumb creative. horses would lose weight. What's that? The dumb horses would lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> True. They wouldn't be fat and getting laminitis. We'd solve that problem. Horses are, are designed for survival, though. They're not dumb when it comes to finding food. No, that's for sure. And they seem to, you know, our, we our backfield is about four acres. So it's a pretty good size. And yeah. there's trees and stuff. And the water buckets at the far end. And I'm always amazed they know right where to go. I mean, they. I don't think we even showed it to them the first time and they found the water. They can find that pretty easily. It's It's amazing. Their noses are about as sensitive, a little less sensitive than dogs, right? Dogs are number one, I think. Um, and then horses are number two in terms of, uh, I forget what you call the cells inside their noses, but those sensitive smell cells. I, I, uh, we're going to get to our attack and habit product review here in a second. But, uh, I asked her what the show started. Remember, we we're talking about who, you know, do you keep your phone by the bed and look at it? Yeah. Well, I asked who checks their phone during the night when they wake up. Be honest. I'll give you the results of that after check and have it. It's very interesting. And I have a lot of responses in the short period of time we've been doing this show. So and some of them are very interesting. I think it's going the way I thought it would, but we'll we'll get to that right after we do this. It's time for our Tack and Habit product review, brought to you by Horselovers.com. All right, it is that time. So, Helena, what product did you pick for this week? I picked the Pretty Naughty Fit Ties. 
And there were two kinds. So these are hair ties. And they are designed I was for wondering because I couldn't figure out what they were fit, for. Fit as in for fitness, <laughs> ties as in hair ties. And ah. they're, they're basically hair ties designed for uh, mostly for female athletes. But if you're a guy and you happen to have long hair and you need to tie your hair back, they're great for you too because they don't come in super girly colors. <laughs> they come in a sort of a clear gel color and then black. So the claim to fame for these hair ties is that they're flat, almost like a a rubber rubber band. But you know how those rubber rubber bands are a little bit thick? Yeah, yeah. Or too thin and they break. It's one or the other. Right. So these are thin. They're flat. And um, they're not made out of rubber, the same rubber that rubber bands are made out of. But they are made out of this like polymer rubber coated Thing. They almost look like something you'd use as a washer in a distributor cap or exactly. something. You know? They're flat. Yeah. They're yeah. basically flat. And they, they call them – the company who makes them pretty naughty is called um, – they're called low-profile hair ties. So the idea is you you got to get your hair up because you're about to get busy, right? No matter what you're doing. If you're running, you're doing yoga. If you're that riding – sounded a, That sounded a little <laughs> – a little naughty. <laughs> Sound a little naughty. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Well, I guess it'd work for that too. <laughs> uh, I think their slogan is "Hair up, game on." Hair up, game on. So you know what, girls, when you're about to get busy, no matter what you're doing, you put your hair up, right? You roll your sleeves up. You I'm going to cut that little piece out. You know that, right? <laughs> We're going to use that again. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Can I please finish my product review? <laughs> Holy guacamole. All right. So the hair ties, I thought they would be great for equestrians because who wants a whole lot of bulk under your helmet? It's bad enough that we got to tuck our hair up there. But, you know, even anything that we can do to reduce the bulk under our helmets, I thought would be a good idea. And and of course, we're equestrians, we're athletes. So we're always putting our hair somewhere. Out of our faces. So we can see we don't crash our horse into a tree or the arena wall in my case. So I try. So there's the two ties. Um, The grip tie is super strong and grippy. And it's great for thin or super silky hair or where you have a lot of hair and that you sort of pile it up on top of your head. Like a bun or something. Yeah, Yeah. or you have to do two, you know, you have to put two hair ties in your hair. And the idea is that the hair tie doesn't slip out, so you don't have to constantly readjust it, right? Okay. You put your hair up and you start moving. Your body starts, you know, gets into motion. Yeah, Jennifer's always fussing with hers. Exactly. Yeah. So the grip tie stays put, and it's way better than you know, any other kind of rubber band because it doesn't slip out and it doesn't, it, it's not super kind to your hair strands. Like when you pull it out, you still have to be careful, but it certainly doesn't pull your hair like a regular rubber band would. So the idea is you put it in your hair and you don't have to fuss with it again until you're ready to take your hair out. How big are they? Over point and tell. Are they little hair tie size or? They're probably about two inches in diameter. Okay. Maybe an inch and a half. They're not that big. Okay. And then the other kind is called the slip tie. Yeah, the slip tie. That's the one that I used because I have this really thick curly hair. And I don't even think about putting my hair in a neat ponytail. I just mash it up into a great big mess on top of my head and put whatever. She does have a lot of hair, everybody, if you've never met Helena. (laughs) Whatever will hold it in there. So the slip ties, though, but my problem is whenever I go to pull a rubber band out of my hair, it takes a big chunk of hair with it. Mm-hmm. And this slip tie is very kind if you have thick, curly, or coarse hair. So it keeps the ponytail in place, but it doesn't pull out 100 strands when you remove it. So so you like them? I do. Yeah. I do like them. They're not, you know, you're not going to save the world with these things. They're great. And... um but I do think that if you're fussy about your hair and or you get distracted by what's happening with your hair when you're riding or you're working in the barn, uh, definitely check them out. You get you can get them in a pack, like they come in a little tin, because once you get these things, you don't want to lose them. <laughs> you know how you lose hair ties, they end up under the bed or behind the toilet seat or something. Because so, they're not as cheap as other hair ties. No, they come, you can get a like six a pack. pack? You can yeah, get a like six a... pack for $10. Yeah. And But you'll have it. 
And so to me, I'll get the six pack and put it in my uh, boot bag and my, my show ring bag, you know, so that it's like, it goes with my gloves. It goes with my hairnet. It goes with my tall boot socks. And those will be my, the hair ties I use for showing or fox hunting or whatever. So I, I think it's worth it. And it's a little company, uh, made in America too. It says so. Made right in the United States. Yep, it's a little company. In fact, they are uh, they're based right in Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, are they? Yep. Oh, right down the street from you. Okay, yep. cool. It's called Pretty Naughty. The website is prettynaughty.com, and they only sell a few products, so you'll be able to find them. Are they trying to get distribution in stores and stuff? They are. I believe they're selling them online, but they are open to wholesale accounts. Very good. Well, there you go. This product we never heard of before. And as I said, horselovers.com is going to be coming your way. So you have until the end of the week. If you want to become an auditor, if you've been putting it off, now's the time. You could be one of the lucky 50 to get products to review. And let me tell you, Helena, some of those people last year got some really like $400 boots. I know. (laughs) Super jelly. Blankets. And, you know, this wasn't cheap stuff. This wasn't $5 items that they were reviewing. No, no. No, nice breeches and all kinds of helmets and everything. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you so much, but I have to give you a report. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I asked who checks their phone during the night when they wake up, be honest. And so we're a half an hour into this. It's been up for 30 minutes. I have about 50 comments. And uh, apparently this struck a nerve. Um, and the, I would say 70% of them uh, check their phone all the time. At night. <laughs> um, but, but it's In the middle of the rash- night? Yes. So they kind of rationalize. Not me. I leave it to the other end of the house on airplane mode to conserve data. That's Kale. He doesn't get very good internet, though. I know that for a fact. Uh, Denise says, only if it dings, indicating that I got a Facebook message, which usually wakes me up. And that would be all night long in my case. Um, <laughs> I check it all the time, but I don't open anything up. You're still checking it, Lindsay. I'm sorry. Uh, th- yep. Uh, there's, uh, Debbie, Debbie, who hosts on here in the horse radio network said she checks it all night long. I only try and check it some, check the time, but sometimes <laughs> I have to admit I do. And, uh, always when I can't sleep anyways, only if I can't sleep night mode, otherwise it saves my life. Guilty as charged. I do. I do. It's so bad for you, but I can't help it. Oh, that's Mary Kitzmiller. Um, I do, and I have, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, only to see what time it is. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We know how that goes. <laughs> uh, I know. I uh, and and it just goes on and on. So <laughs> that's a lot. The, I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, most people do. You know, they said it's a big problem now. And I read an article. That's why I wanted to do this. I read an article the other day that people that it's a problem. People are getting less sleep now because they get up and they check Facebook, mostly I, Facebook. Um, and they check Facebook at two in the morning and three in the morning. Every time <laughs> you, you get up to see who the hell else is up at <laughs> night. Right. <I> can't sleep. <laughs> right. And you know, I, as I said, I keep it by the bed and I do fall asleep with it, but I turn it off. I can't stand it buzzing or anything. And Jennifer would kill me if I did that. So I do use it to go to sleep, but that's it. <clears throat> now, if I wake up at two in the morning, and can't back to sleep. Then I'll listen to another boring podcast and it puts me right to sleep. Uh, and now I, I'm going to die of, uh, asphyxiation one night because the, the, earbuds cord is wrapped around my neck and I've choked myself to death. That's going to happen. <laughs> but, but, but other than that, it's fine. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. It's 75 to 80% definitely check their phones at night. Well, I am, I suggest that you all try leaving it out of your room for, it's going to be you, hard, but you have to do it for two weeks because yeah. that's the only way to break a habit. And if you think you can't sleep, Think a little bit about the fact that your phone might, you know, the fact that your phone is there and whatever your brain is connected to that's in that phone, that could be what's keeping you from sleeping. It made a huge difference in my sleep patterns. Huge. You know, nobody's going to listen to you, right? I know this. I know. (laughs) I'm just saying. That's fine. I think this is a habit that's going to be hard to break. That's fine. I'll be out riding my horse looking all 30 years younger. (laughs) Jennifer has to get, well, let me ask you, when you go to bed, like Jennifer goes to bed with the TV on. She cannot go to bed with silence. She has to have something on. And she falls asleep literally within a minute. I, if I come in two minutes later, she's sleeping, I turn the TV off. But it's a big bang theory, by the way, every night, because it's on like every night. Um, 
but what about you? Do you go to sleep with anything on, radio, TV? We have one TV in the house, and that's downstairs in the living room. We have no media anywhere else in the house. And Grace has a phone, Buck and I have a phone, and there's one laptop that's used pretty much between the three of us. Um, No, we don't bring – Buck will bring his phone up to bed, and he will read some articles on it, but I don't – we don't even really watch TV – that much like golf on Sundays, maybe in the wintertime or football, but up at night. No, I don't. I used to years and years ago. Yep. There was a TV in the bedroom and I used to fall asleep to Frasier. <laughs> Remember Frasier? <laughs> See, I think Big Bang's the new Frasier, yeah. you know, <laughs> but no, I, I honestly, I, I took this whole, um, our society is spending too much time immersed in media thing very seriously. And I didn't want to get wrapped up in that culture. And I know the whole world is doing it. And I also think that the whole world is suffering to a certain degree because of it. And so I'm really going to fight that battle. I have my smartphone. It does come with me everywhere. The only well, time you, I... You almost need it, though. I mean, you for do that need re- it. You do. The only time I really refuse to, to engage with my phone... Um, when I'm not in bed is when I'm on my horse. Jennifer, I make her, I have to make her bring it along. She, you know, Jennifer doesn't engage with the phone much at all. So I have to make her actually bring it along when she goes riding just for, cause she goes out in the neighborhood here and it's, it's pretty, you know, there's not a car for a long time. So yeah. for safety's yeah. sake, but I have to make her do it. Now here, Casey, there's more coming in since we just started talking about this. Casey said, yup. And then I stay awake for at least an hour. See, there's the problem. Yeah. I finally started, pl- he, she has a solution though. I finally started plugging it in across the room and now I'm too lazy to get up and go look. <laughs> well, there's a, there you go. Yep. That's the idea. That's kind of break the habit right there. Just put it, it's still in the room. So you feel like it's there, but it's across the room. I would be that way. I'd be like, I don't want to get out of bed to go. <laughs> I tried that and I got my ass out of bed and went over and turned that bugger on. <laughs> uh-huh. It worked for you, huh? Oh, you uh-huh. like, I mean, you're in bed and you're laying there and you're like, blink, 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 blink. My phone is across the room. I'm going to just try to go back to sleep. Blink, blink, blink. And then you're going through your bucket list and you're in your brain. Blink, blink. Then you're thinking about that thing you did in 1987 that you shouldn't have done. Blink, 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 <laughs> blink. And then you're like, forget it. I'm just going to get up and turn the damn thing on. Uh, by the way, this isn't an American problem because Sarah from Sweden just chiped in and said, of course I do. Who doesn't? So <laughs> there you go. Apparently, Alina's the only one. <laughs> I had to because I have a problem. I'm a freak show with the phone in the night. So I had to. But you, like, you and I kind of have addictive personalities, too. So uh, that doesn't help us in any way, shape or form, to be honest. Agreed. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like me, me, it's gambling. You know, I haven't been addicted to too many things in life, but me, it's gambling. Really? I know. Oh, I know. I could be a. I could be a. Oh yeah. I had I, no idea. Oh uh, yeah. I if I go to a casino, forget it. I'll I'll just take everything I can out of the ATM card. <laughs> um, yeah, then we should I not let uh, you and Box spend any time no, together. No, that's why casino. I don't. You know, I racetrack is a different story because I. That's just like work. But um. Oh sure. See, easy. look, everybody. He's making excuses for himself before he even gets there. <laughs> Now, the racetrack, I can bet two, four dollars. I don't have a problem with that. But it's blackjack. Blackjack's a trouble problem child for me. And and Jamie, too, by the way. We're both we both have issues with blackjack. And so Jennifer has to take my wallet when we when we do go to the casino, which we don't do much. But on occasion, she lets me have a little fun. She'll give me like fifty dollars and she takes my wallet. So I can't like go hit up the ATM machine without her knowing it. Wow. That is unless I can sneak the ATM card out of her wallet without her notice. <laughs> Careful, Glenn. They don't give awards for gambling, Glenn. Okay. Okay. I know I have. I know I. But see, that's the thing. I know I would have a problem, so I've never allowed myself to. Uh, because I know it could be an issue. Yeah. Well, self-control, man. It's, it's easier it's hard. said than done. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. But, you know, that's the one area, like, I've never liked alcohol. I just never got into, you know, drugs of any kind and never smoked or anything. So food, I like food. Does that count? I really like food. Food can be addictive, yes. Yeah, really I, I'm like addicted food. to food, yeah. particularly it, gummy bears, or not gummy bears, the Welch's fruit snacks. Really? Oh, gosh, Who's yeah. Welch's fruit snacks. What? You're supposed to be addicted to M&M's. Nope. Welch's fruit snacks are... The bane of my existence, because if Grace is like, Mom, I want some fruit snacks, I'm like, nope, nope. (laughs) I can eat the whole box, like one of those Costco-sized boxes. I can eat a whole box of those if nobody's watching in two days. I'm not kidding you. (laughs) 
I'm not kidding. It's good for you. It's your healthy. It's your serving of fruit every day. Do you think I need more sugar? There's not any sugar in that. It's fruit. It's your good. It's fruity sugar. <laughs> it's like the the non-structured. The only, the only part of the fruit you put into those snacks is the sugar part. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's it. We're done talking about food and stuff. So that's it. We're out of here. Uh, you can go to stablescoop.com. You can get our app. I feel like I say this every week. You can get our app. Uh, go to search for Horse Radio Network on iOS or Android. We've had a lot of people doing that. So please do download it. And also you can find Helena's other show at? Thatnewportshow.com. If you are looking for relationship advice or travel advice or food and wine advice or you're just bored, find us at thatnewportshow.com. <laughs> Or if you need something to go to sleep to, we are here to accommodate. Yes, we are. <laughs> we don't care. It counts as a download. We don't So <laughs> Hit us up. That's right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you. Say goodbye, Helena. Oh, psh. Goodbye, Helena. I'm that. Oh, it's been so long since I contributed to the blooper reel. Thanks, everybody, for following along. We will be back next week with more. Until then, happy scooping. Mm-hmm.